Vermont Viewpoint is a public affairs program produced and funded by WDEV and the Radio Vermont Group. We welcome listener feedback. Email your comments to vtviewpoint at radiovermont.com. Good morning. This is Pat McDonald, your host for Vermont Viewpoint here on WDEV. Joining me this morning is Jody Emerson, who's the director of the Central Vermont Career Center in Barrie. Jody, welcome to the program. Thank you for having me, Pat. Yeah, this is really great. Um, can you talk, cause you know, tech ed is one of my passions in life, believe it or not. Um, can you talk a little bit about your background and then what prompted you to make the change to a CTE facility? Sure. Um, so my name is Jody Emerson and I grew up in Newbury, Vermont. So I'm a Vermonter all my life. I attended Middlebury College and graduated from there with a teaching license in social studies. So my first role was teaching social studies to high school students. And I did that for 14 years in one of my Sydney schools, Spalding High School. And in that time, I aspired to become a principal. And so I worked on that leadership degree and license and was hired by U32, one of my other sending schools, as an assistant principal and later associate principal for several years. And then when this position opened up at the Central Vermont Career Center, I was really excited about it for a couple of reasons. One, my own son had a wonderful experience in career and technical education, and that really changed his life. And and I think his access to it was partly a result of my having more knowledge being in education about what opportunities he had. And so I wanted to be able to open up the doors for more folks, and CBCC was on its way to becoming an independent district, and I was interested in learning about that and helping move that work forward. Oh, that's really great. And uh, thank you for doing that. It's, I, I grew up in a, in an era where, um, tech centers were looked on as where you send those kids that don't do well in school. But fortunately, I think people are really understanding the importance of having a technical education, um, and the money that students can make in those occupations. So I'm glad that it's, um, um, it's finally risen to people's uh, attention and things are happening. Um, last July, the Career Center became an independent school. Can you tell me what benefit that has? How did that all come about? Because it was primarily attached to Spalding um, High School, correct? Correct. And we still are located in the Spalding High School building. So we've been a part of Spalding High School as a, a supervisory union in the past, and most recently the Barry Unified Union School District. <laughs> Sorry. That's okay. Um, and some of this work was done before I got here because this is my second year at the Central Vermont Career Center. But basically what I understood was that the folks on the regional advisory board would weigh in on the budget and some programming, and then the they would advise the Barry board as to what should happen. And then the Barry board could make whatever decision it wanted to regarding the budget or any programming. And often I would hear the Barry board chair say that she felt uncomfortable, honestly, making decisions on behalf of 18 towns when she only represented two. And so, and that was an interesting concept, and I think that's what motivated it, is that not feeling like the 18 towns had a voice. I think the Barry system did a wonderful job, yep. and they always upheld what the, the regional advisory board requested and wanted. Um, but it was an opportunity to get more voices to the table that had a decision in, in that stuff and not just an advisory role. 
we we do serve 18 towns. We serve six different sending schools. We also have students come from other districts um, because we have programming that their uh, regional tech center might not offer. And so it's good to be able to have folks sitting on our board, which acts the same way as the regional advisory board did, except that it has authority, to be able to make decisions around the budget, around programming, and to get feedback from all of our 18 towns. So one other benefit, although this year it's going to it's a little nerve-wracking, is that all the voters across our 18 towns get to vote for our budget. <laughs> now, Barry City and Barry Town are the only ones that have seen it in the past. So this year will be the first year that towns like Waterbury, where you're located, right. uh, for this radio show, like this is the first time they're going to see our budget. And it's it's scary because they're going to feel like it's an extra amount. That $4 million is more money. And really, it's already baked into the sending school budget because they plan for students attending our center. And so it's not additional. It's what has to be approved for us to continue to run so that they can send the tuition that they're going to send. Interesting. Well, it should be an interesting vote, eh? I bet you're doing a lot of education out there to, just to get them familiar with um, how you're presenting your budget and what it means. Definitely trying and and finding that it's difficult to figure out what's the best way to get to folks. So we sent out um, a postcard in December. Hopefully everyone got that, and it had a really good description of what we're working on and that you're going to see this ballot. And we, the town clerks have all posted the ballots now so folks can see them. They're on our Stuff is on our website. So we're working on it, but there's there's plenty more we should be doing. I bet. Um, anyway, it's it's great. So thank you for doing that. And I just wanted to tell folks that are listening. I invited Jody on the show. Uh, I I cover um, by Zoom some of the committee um, meetings that are happening in the legislature, and I heard her testify in front of Senate Education Committee. And as some of you may know, I was deputy commissioner of education back a few years ago under David Walk and. When I was there, not only was I doing duties as assigned, but I also asked him if I could get involved with the tech directors and uh, hopefully weigh in on on tech centers and how to make them um, uh, more support. I get more support from people and for them to understand the importance of what they're doing. And she, I just about fell off my chair. She discussed the very same issues I was working on back in the day. And I could not believe that we're still having the same discussions. So I asked Jody to come on the show and talk about uh, all of these things that she mentioned. They asked uh, the committee asked her um, to tell them what's what needs to work better, and she told them. So the first thing, and Jody, as I go through this, is maybe you can talk about why it's a problem and and if there's any um, recommendation how to fix it. The first one is good old funding. You said it's a disincentive for sending schools to send the tuition to the tech centers because money in and then money right out. Right. So um, the CTE directors still do have a group that meets um, all the directors across the state, regardless of the type of school that we have. So we have four independents. We have 16 that are attached to high schools. And then we have the two. I think I messed up that number a little bit, but we have the two. Um, St. Johnsbury and right. Linden Institute that have it. And so funding can be a disincentive. It's I would not say that I experience my sending schools holding kids back from applying or coming, but I know other directors do experience that. And so 
there are some of the high schools that are trying to keep their kids, and let's face it, they're running into some issues, too, of losing kids to early college, the declining enrollment, all of that. So if they then are also having to pay the tuition to a career center, it's more money that's going away that they have to plan for. And if there was a way that we could ensure that we could collaborate with our funds to do what's best for kids, we would all want to do that. Right now, it's the system is super complicated. It's been complicated for a long time. And that's part of the reason that a ton of work was done prior to COVID. And there was um, there was going to be a pilot funding done uh, with a couple of centers to see if a new system would work. And then that fell apart with everything kind of being right. shut down. And now the joint fiscal offices are doing, and they've commissioned a study that a group out of Colorado, APA, has been working on. And they've done a listening tour of Vermont SCTEs. They've talked to directors. They've talked to sending school superintendents um, and a variety of stakeholders, the, the superintendents association, the principals association, et cetera, trying to find out what what is going on with funding and governance for CTE and what recommendations do they have. Good. And really we have an economy of scales issue here in Vermont with funds. We want our kids to do well and we want to save our small schools and we want so many things. And unfortunately, we might not be able to do all of them. Right. And get what we need for kids. Well, it is about the kids and I hope in these discussions that the uh, they fo- and I think they are from what you're saying they're focusing on what's best for the kids and they yeah. just got to find a solution. So you the second one you talked about was access and I think um uh, some stories about schools not really promoting the tech centers because um because they want to keep the money. So it, what is access all about? Not everybody can go or um what's that about? Not everybody so anyways, there's a number of reasons. So there are some uh, schools across our state that, that make it more difficult. There are still the the stories and the, the counselor stories of yeah. the, if you go to the tech center, you're not going to go to college, which is not necessarily true. Right. So there's some of that. But there's also, I have 240 seats at my center. I have over 300 applicants for wow. next year already a lot of kids are not going to be able to access the CTE here. And this is just uh, 11th and 12th graders. Is that correct, Jody? So juniors and seniors primarily access programs do have uh, exploratory and foundational programs that are offered that can help students who might not quite be ready, and they can be 9th and 10th graders in those programs. But primarily juniors and seniors access are major programs. I was listening to Senate Ed the other day, and – Chairman Champion was talking about increasing, uh, uh, widening that from to ninth through twelfth, and um, I was going to talk to you a little bit later on about what that would, what impact that would um, be to the school, given the issues you've got now. So um, we'll keep that in the back of our head. The third one that you wrote, which drove me nuts, was the statewide calendar. Do you know how many years they've tried to come up with a statewide calendar? It's such a benefit. Yeah. Could you talk about that? Well, I can talk about for CTE why it's a benefit is Mm -hmm. my teachers and any teachers, like if you're in a high school, if your social studies teachers have the opportunity to meet together, they they can plan together, they can look at curriculum, they can look at assessments and improve. For CTE teachers, if I need my auto teacher or my health sciences teacher to work with a colleague who is talking about the same things, they have to talk with someone else in the state somewhere else. 
at one of the other career centers or multiple. And so right now to do the work that they've done and CTE teachers have done amazing work. They have developed proficiencies for their programs that are aligned across our state, which is something great. It's a wonderful model. And now they need to start doing the work to provide the rubrics or scales that go with those proficiencies. And that means they have to take a day off and meet with their colleagues across. So we all have to find subs for those days right now so that they can be and do this really important work together and share what's working for them and and where have they found ways that better meet the needs of students. If we had a statewide calendar, we could have that professional development built in so that we're not taking our instructors away from kids to do this really important work. I I remember, I think the Secretary of Education can make that happen or am I, it doesn't have to go to the legislature, so it's not like it's got to go through all this uh, uh, testimony and that stuff. They, they, he and the the board can can do it, right? I think they can. Yeah, I'm not sure. So, who's been? Who? Where's the resistance to this? Some um, public school teachers because they just like things the way they are, or what? Uh, that's a good question. I think at this point, with different contracts throughout the entire state for teachers, ah. different agreements. They have different, so some uh, teacher contracts are 190 days with 180 days in school with students. Some are 175 days in school with students. So there's such a variation across the state around those contracts and, and what folks do. In general, what my understanding is we're not supposed to have four days different from our sending schools, but if each of my sending schools has a slightly different calendar, that makes it quite difficult to figure that out. Sure. And so... I think the statewide calendar would be a great step, and I think the concerns about it would be from schools where they are trying to do more, um, provide more days of education for students. It might not meet that. Right. Well, that's hard to argue with if they're providing more more days of uh, of education, but um, I, there's got to be a solution to this. It's obviously been brought up many times, so there is a need yeah. for it. Um, going down your list, um this is probably um, like a no-brainer. The space is a problem, and especially if they open it to ninth and 10th graders, I mean, you're going to need more space somewhere. Yeah, and I think in that committee meeting, one of the – or maybe it was a diff- – I've been at a couple of committees, sorry. <laughs> uh, um, one question that I got was, well, with declining enrollment in a school, if you're already in a building, can you expand right. into some of those classrooms at the high school – And yes, for some programming you can, but for those that need like the heavy trades where we need a big shop, that's not going to work. The biggest need I have in central Vermont is for welding. I don't have a space that exists in this Mm. building to cover that. And so I would need to look for a space elsewhere or potentially build something in the future. And I have a program right now that's in the Vermont Granite Museum which is a wonderful space for it. It's design and fabrication, and students are learning about stone carving. So it's it's ideal, really, location for that. And yet managing a class that's just a 15-minute drive away can be difficult if there is something there and I'm here at the school. And so trying to navigate spaces across different places, I mean, Burlington has had an experience with that, with their career center being shut down and the first year, I think it was in nine different buildings. Now, I think it's in five. It's still hard to make sure that you're everywhere that you need to be and taking care of the kids and making sure that everything is safe. Right. Uh, we definitely have different concerns. And so 
obviously the dream is this beautiful space that has everything we need and we don't have that yet. So how do we grow because there's a demand for CTE and maybe there's going to be access for more students? That would be great. I think that that 9 through 12 came out of something that I said there. My son went to Randolph Tech and was in the diesel program, which was a wonderful experience to him. And he went on to the University of Northwestern Ohio to study auto and diesel and high-performance motorsports. And when he got there, he had to take classes that were basically the same classes he had already taken. It was the same information. So his first year was very repetitive to what he had done in high school, whereas his peers who were coming from these four-year technical high schools in other states, Connecticut, for example, um, West Virginia, they were able to skip some of those classes and go straight into the programming that he would have really appreciated starting with. And so I don't want to see our kids in Vermont at a disadvantage because they don't have those pathways that get them there. Right. Yeah, and I, and I you did talk that this was the same committee I heard because I remember them talking about using other facilities in the public schools, um, which does make sense. I mean, it's there and it's right next door. Uh, the Granite Museum, though, I'm so excited that you're down there. I was on the board of the Granite Museum for a couple of years. And of course they had the, the, what's it called? Stone Art School that used to be there. And yeah. I'm glad it's, it's being used. That's really cool. Um, something else that of course this is probably no surprise to anybody. Finding teachers is a, is a problem. Um, pretty much everywhere I would think. So that's an issue for you. Is that not right? Absolutely. Finding teachers is really difficult. And when you think about the typical teacher agreement, it doesn't recognize industry professionals often. Yep. So agreements across the state, we're still on the uh, Barry contract for this year. And we need to get in a master electrician or a master plumber to teach our kids in plumbing or to teach them in electricity. And finding someone who is willing to take that pay cut, especially now, and come in and teach kids can be difficult. We had um, an instructor leave early this year, I think beginning of October, and we needed to find an instructor for our plumbing program. And we had to we had to get really creative because we didn't have applicants. Huh. People aren't coming to take that fifty thousand dollar pay cut or forty thousand dollar pay cut to come and work in a tech center and teach students without any training to teach students. So what happens is we we get people in and then they. They teach as a first-year teacher along with taking courses to become a teacher at the same time. It's a huge amount of work for anyone coming into CTE from industry. And so in our plumbing program, we ended up hiring one of our permanent subs into the position, had some uh, good construction background, and partnering with Vermont Heating and Ventilating to hire one of their master plumbers to come in a few days a week and work with our teacher that we put in the program so that they could keep the kids moving forward with the plumbing program. And that has worked out great. Uh, this semester we have Pete from VHV for three days a week working with my um, permanent sub who's in there as on an emergency mm-hmm. license as the teacher for consistency's sake. And the two of them are working like a dream. The kids are doing some wonderful things, and I'm excited to see where this will go. And meanwhile, I've put out the plumbing spring ad for next year and I have no applicants so we may be moving forward with a similar partnership next year. Wow. Well, thank goodness you've got uh, some a clever approach here but it bothers me 
about the non-recognition of industry standards. When I, I went back to college, uh, for weekend college in Marymount in uh, New York, and I, um, I took a class, I forget what they called it, life skills or life. It was to put together a project of what I've done in my life working, because I was <laughs> in the, in the work, force for a long time before I went back and I got a lot of credits because they recognized what I did um, as just as valuable as as learning in a in a classroom um, and I would think a master plumber or anybody who's reached that higher level of certification uh, they deserve some recognition um, and that's and especially since we're pushing career centers I mean what it just doesn't seem to to track if you're pushing tech centers why aren't you recognizing the skill it takes to graduate and, uh, you know, into a great job, pays well, and uh, I would think plumbing isn't going anywhere too soon, so uh, that'll be a job yeah. for your life. I think that there are some centers who are able to do that and some contracts that are able to do that, and not all of them have yet, and so I'm, I'm hopeful to see some changes in that. And there still is that prior learning assessment. CCB um, offers that. Oh. So folks can go through that course and see where they would be at and what they would need to get to a bachelor's. I think in the, most of our centers are attached to school districts that are much larger and the majority of teachers represented when they're they're working through a negotiations process are going to be the ones that came through a traditional, just like I did, where you get your teaching license so while you're in college as a, a bachelor's and then you move forward and get that master's and move up that scale that people are so familiar with in education and that CTE has always kind of been an outlier. I mean, that's one of the benefits too of us being independent is we have, we have an opportunity maybe to do something different there, but we also have the opportunity to do our own curriculum development and our professional development so that it fits the needs of the teachers in my building doing the work with kids in, in these programs instead of the needs of a larger group. That's not always the same. That's great. Yeah, I know when I took this course, the life, um, life equivalency course or whatever it was, I was surprised and, and thrilled about some of the things they look at, which I would never have thought of as something to put in, in my report about what I did. And I, I got, I left the course and I'm like, this is good. Um, and I got a lot of credit. So, uh, Marymount got it. Um, I wish others would. Um, you also talked, which I was, you wanted to change from part-time to full-time. Is tech, the tech ed part-time or is it full-time? I thought it was full-time. Uh, it's, so I don't know of anything that's not more complicated than CTE <laughs> and scheduling. And, um, we have centers across the state with different governance models and different schedule. So there are half-time programs that are two hours long. There are full-time programs that are four hours long. Technically, I have full-time, um, full-day programs, but that's a four-hour day. And so my kids come here at 8.20 in the morning, and they are done with their program at 12.30, have lunch and leave, and go back to their sending school right now for wow. a class two. And so for some of them, that's a nearly an hour bus ride. Um in the morning to get here and then in the afternoon to get back to take a class that may not be in their best interest or it may not be right. the thing they're most excited about. So my hope for next year is that we can offer those academics they need here 
and send them back to their setting schools a little later in the day. So that there's there's got to be a way to address all of this. This is just too important. Anyway, I have to take another break, Jody. So uh, this is Pat McDonald, your host for Vermont Viewpoint on WDEV. We'll be right back with Jody Emerson. Did you know that Radio Vermont Group Digital Services can create videos including drone footage? We've even won awards for our videos. If you'd like to learn more and see examples of our work, go to rvgdigital.com. Radio Vermont Group, we're more than just radio. Hey there, it's Pat McDonald back with you with Vermont Viewpoint and my guest, Jody Emerson, who's the director of the Central Vermont Career Center. So, Jody, we only have two more things. Thank you, for, by the way, for bringing all this up to the legislature. The one was a proficiency difference. Um, which makes graduation a little complicated. Apparently, if I remember the testimony, the public schools, maybe not so much proficiency, but in the tech centers, there are proficiencies with each of the uh, classes. Is that, did I understand that correctly? Yeah, so each of our uh, programs has identified proficiencies, both in academic areas that are embedded credit sort of things and in the specifics of the program, whether it be automotive or cosmetology. Um, I think what's hard is that I have, if moving to a full day next year, I need to make sure I can provide the academic classes outside a program that students need to graduate. They don't graduate from me. They graduate from their sending schools. And so I have six sending schools, and they all have different proficiencies. And so trying to figure out what courses do we need to be able to offer, what teachers do we need to be able to hire to ensure that we're providing the students what they need to, to be able to graduate on time is quite complicated. And through across the state, I mean, all our high schools were given the opportunity to identify what makes, what's a graduate from their program and from their school. And so we have all these different things. And I think the state has given some great examples, the Agency of Education, and everyone developed them on their own. So there, there's proficiency from a few, a handful, or 40, uh, all the way up to 200 and something, depending on what sending school across Vermont you're in. You would think they would want the same proficiency so that graduation means graduating at a certain level across the state. But yeah, there I you go. A lot of similarity between them. There's transferable skills or work habits, depending on what school you're at. And then there's a lot of the traditional. And I, I think also, frankly, some of the schools tried to stick with whatever was going to lead kids through the same path that has been tried and true path to college. So making sure that they're still getting Algebra 2, for example, or whatever those requirements are. Right. I said do that. I mean, we get, we get a little bit of everything because we have kids taking college classes that might be on a, a hundred point scale. We have them taking the uh, apprenticeship test or NCCER, which is a construction curriculum. And those tests are on a hundred point scale. And so those certificates come back as a result of that. And then we have within our programs, we have the proficiencies that we've identified across the state for CTE. You know, I've testified over the years, um, uh, oh, hang on just a second, Jody. We have a caller, Forbes from East Corinth. Forbes, do you have a question for Jody? Hi. No, uh, just a, a compliment, actually. Uh, I'm a product of a uh, vocational technical school. Um, I went through high school and then went in on a GI program for two years that they had. But um, 
that two years that I spent uh, in, in a particular location equal to probably eight years out in the field trying to pick it up on my own. So it's very essential. But the most important thing in all of this is a guidance counselor. Mm. Any system that doesn't spend a lot of money and get a real good guidance counselor so that they can catch young people uh, early on that aren't going to be uh, rogue scholars or Einsteins and get them in some direction towards uh, vocational or, yep. or uh, a career or a trade. Yep, and I agree with you, and I think that the students learn differently. I am a hands-on learner. To sit in a big auditorium with 300 kids listening to a, a professor doesn't work for me. I need to be at the table um, experiencing things with my hands. So um, I think it's just a, a, an issue of learning style as well. So congrats, uh, Forbes. I think you sound like you've learned a lot and probably did very well. Um, Jody, do you have any comments, response? Thank you for sharing that. I know so many people who've uh, attended tech centers or vocational schools, and, and they definitely benefited. My brother works for his town um, road crew, and he got his CDL while at DT. So there's definitely lots of benefits to it, and a school counselor is certainly important. And CTE is not just hands-on. I mean, there's some hard math and literacy involved in reading the technical uh, books and instruction manuals and, and pieces like that and getting to understand how to go use a code book in plumbing or in electrical. Those are a tough skills. So, yes, there's the opportunity to do that hands-on learning to build those skills with, with a master who knows the industry, and you have that support while you're trying to figure out those those literacy and mathematical pieces of that that technical curriculum that's also a part of it. And I think some people forget about that part of CTE when they're talking about the training and they just focus on that hands-on and, and some kids are not quite ready for the level of difficulty that comes along with some of that curriculum. Yeah, I was um, thinking back about what Forbes said about guidance counselors. My impression these days is that guidance counselors are spending so much time dealing with individual children with individual problems, um, mental health issues, um, emotional issues, conduct issues, that a lot of the stuff that, that I would relate to as a counselor doesn't get done as often as it should from, I mean, we all had guidance counselors in high school that really sat down with you and talked to you about your choices and what your pathway should be. I, I my sense is there's because of lack of time and 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 that their their time is torn between taking care of individual children during the day. Is that sort of accurate? I, I think that's true. I think school counselors in our sending schools have so much to deal with with mental health issues and right. and, be, and that the what you want to do in the future is a smaller amount, but it's definitely a part of the personalized learning plan that every student in Vermont is supposed to have. And so there may be other players that can play a role. Um, Schools have advisors, teacher advisors, and so maybe they're playing a role. I think it's harder to get that individualized piece out of the school counselor, but they can still provide some seminars with, here are some Mm -hmm. options. We've been providing some outreach to the schools that are interested in sending my school, my counseling coordinator out 
and meeting with eighth graders and showing them just showing them some of the tools that they would get to use if they came to our yeah. programs. Yeah, that was what another are, that was another discussion they had at Senate Ed when you were there. Uh, two of the members went to a um, out of state conference on CTE, and they were talking about middle schoolers and that to reach out, as, as you're discussing, to reach out to let them know their alternatives and to maybe on occasion have them come in. Uh, uh, to, um, what's, what's a word to just kind of oversee a class and maybe get their hands dirty a little bit just to see what the program is all about to get them interested in tech ed. And it sounds like you're doing that. Yeah, we're, we're doing a little outreach and going to schools with that if they're interested. And then, uh, eighth grade students tour our center in May. So that's a very exciting time. We just, and just bring them through all the programs and they get to see what's going on and what we have here as a, just a little taste. And then, there's more opportunities to come and visit and apply as ninth graders and tenth That's graders. Right. So, what what was your impression of the legislators? Uh, you've been testifying, I'm sure, in several. I know you were in. I think you're in House Ed as well. What what's been their reaction to your testimony? Um, do they get it? Um, are they supportive? What do you think? I think they're very supportive, and I think they're like two sides of that coin. Some of them really want to do something quickly to help and to provide more access because this is obviously a workforce development area. Right. We're that. And some of them are recognizing that there's so many different things going on, that APA study and, and looking at governance and funding and all of the buildings, regardless of whether they're CTE or school, that need repair or need to be changed in some way and that there's so many things. So I think there's some folks that are really ready. Let's find something that we can do right now and some that are taking a more measured approach and what's going to be really best for our state and our students. I'm just thinking of all of the new careers out there, solar panels, weatherization, things that are, are just going to grow and grow um, as yes. we learn more about the environment and impact of uh uh, you know, what the climate's doing and that there's just going to be so many opportunities and, and they need hands-on kids to, to fix all that and to, um, um, to respond to what people are asking for. Absolutely. And we, um, tech centers go through a comprehensive local needs assessment every two years. It's a requirement of our Perkins funding. Uh. And one that we need to do is to really look at our programs. Are they meeting the needs of our state? Are they meeting the needs of industry? Are they high-paying, high-skill, high-demand jobs? And if we don't have those, can we open some? If they aren't, do we need to shift and do something different? And so that's been a really useful process, and that's part of the reason that welding and business actually were the top two that came to the forefront in our process last year for the Comprehensive Local Needs Assessment and, again, in some surveys that we did this, this fall. So those are areas where we could grow that we need to think about what's the best way to do that. That's really great. Um, I was just curious. There's a lot of people involved in tech ed. Um, there's the Agency of Education, Vermont Department of Labor, uh, VTC, which which would be where the kids that went to your school would go on, hopefully, to VTC. How do you all coordinate all of this? Do you meet on a regular basis? Do you talk about um, your programming and, and what um, and what they can go into if they go on to VTC? Um, with the AOE, the, the career and technical uh, directors meet monthly, so mm. once a month meet, and the agency of education has a representative at that meeting each month. 
and they are also involved with our teacher professional development work and the proficiencies and that, that work that's going on there. So they're pretty heavily involved, and there's a lot of communication. They're also in charge of that Perkins grant and making sure that we fill out the forms correctly and get that all done, um, and just making sure that centers are, are following in the rules and are in compliance. As far as the colleges, it's, it's an interesting segue. Most of our programs either offer industry-recognized credentials or college credits, and so teachers are reaching out and working with individual schools. So we do have a teacher who teaches for VTC here, and our students hmm. get some for that. We have a teacher, a few teachers who teach for CCV in their classroom. So our kids are getting some CCV credits. If they're in one program, they're getting VTC credits in another. And then, uh, two other programs have White Mountain Community College because it was easier for them to align their course with what that college offers. So there are a variety of options depending on the program where kids are getting credits. What I was talking about um, at the Senate, Ed, is we are working with, and we, a few of the CTE directors and um, folks from the Vermont State University and Vermont Technical College are working on some pathways where we might get some kids to their associate's degree upon graduation from high school. And so I'm piloting here in my center um, that with an emergency services piece and so I have two students piloting emergency services, too, and they're doing the paramedicine program through VTC. And I'm paying for them to do that through the fast-forward rate. Great. So we've, we've made an agreement to try to collaborate on the costs of that. And so the kids are here three days a week. They go up to the Williston campus and participate in the paramedicine course. And they're getting 12 credits a semester in that. Awesome. So it's Judy. not just... Uh, and it's lots of work, too. I bet. On your part, too, my goodness. I like when that they changed the name, Jody, to Career Centers because it really is focused on workforce development. Um, and I think that's really important. I don't think people realize the our businesses need technical people. And I know a lot of them are willing, if you teach them the, the basics, they will train um, students in their operation, in their own, uh, in their own businesses. Um, and I know, do you have a, you, you must have a very high placement rate. I was just looking at our annual report. It looks like 50% of our students after six months are employed in the field. Great. Um, about 17% of them are going on to college and are related in that same field. We have a co-op program here. So students who maybe they've been in electrical or plumbing or auto or building trades or baking and culinary and as a junior and as a senior, they decide to go to work. And so we place them in jobs for that year and they come in one day a week and, and work with our co-op coordinator and then work with their program teacher from the previous year. And they spend the rest of the, the week out working and Last year, I know we had 24 students in that, and 20 of them continued on with that employer. Cool. Excellent. We have a um, – is that a caller for us? Oh, it's a guy from Carr. What is that? Anyway, Guy, okay. do you have a comment for our guests? Uh, well, yeah, a couple of comments. Uh, first of all, oh. I just want to commend Jody for the tremendous job she's done in the last couple of years and her – in her job. Uh, but the other thing I want to comment on is, you know, for people who are hands-on learners, uh, there are a couple of opportunities to 
uh, take a look at the programs. And one of those is I know you can schedule a visit anytime, uh, and they'll accommodate you. Uh, and when you visit, you will absolutely blown away, be blown away by what the staff are teaching, what the kids are learning, uh, the resources they have. And the other piece is if you want to just warm up to it, just go to their website. Their website is uh, well-designed and uh, yep. really outlines what's available. Uh, but I can't emphasize enough the, the fact that people need to understand what's going on. It's This is not, you know, their tech centers of, of yesteryear. You know, I keep telling people this is not your father's Oldsmobile. <laughs> this is something very, very special. That's really great. Thank you. I finally figured out. You say they put a, your name and then the town you're from, and under your name, Guy, it says his car finally dawned on me. You were calling from your car, not too, not too slow this morning. Sorry about that. Um, but that's what, those are wonderful comments, Guy, and thank you very much. Jody, you have a comment? Uh, full disclosure, Guy Isabel is a member of my uh, Central Vermont Center School District Board. I know him very well, Guy Isabel. Shame on you. Should have said hi. <laughs> I'll get him later. Um, yeah, <laughs> I think we all know Guy. He's a wonderful supporter. He sure. is a hard worker, too. He's a good guy. Um, so I'm reading some notes here that some of the colleges uh, that put up roadblocks a little bit, and yet apparently New Hampshire is an easy uh, state to work with from a college perspective. Um, I think someday we'll, we'll get it here in this state. I mean, what a, what a perfect um, flow from high school to tech ed to, to uh, college. Yeah, and I, I think I've heard from the AOE before that, you know, kids who attend career centers tend to stay in the state. And so if we can build that pipeline so that they can go straight into those careers or straight into college here, that's also going to keep that truth. Um, it's sometimes hard. We've had, I've had examples told to me of people who teach for a specific college in Vermont. And then when they're teaching it at the career center, the kids at the career center, even though it's the same curriculum, don't get the credits that are offered at the college. And I, I think that's, it's historically been the case, and I'm hoping that we're working to overcome that. It's around accreditation and concerns about whether what's offered in the CTE center is at the same level as what happens in the college at the college space, even if it's the same instructor. So there's there's a huh. little bit of stuff getting in the way sometimes. And, and of course, there's cost. If, if I keep the, the student here as a senior and they're working on their credits here, Versus being an early college student, the funds, where do the funds go? Do they come to me? Do they go to the college? And so it's, the system is set up for us to kind of be adversarial. Right. And, and we need to work past that and find ways to collaborate so that we do what's best for our kids. Yeah. When you look collectively, there is a lot of money being spent in this state. And, um, and I think if everybody works together, there's, Room for everyone and don't, um, and you should stretch your arms out and include everyone because here's a concept. It's for the kids. Um, right. and that's what we have to keep in mind is that our children need the best education for them and how they can succeed going forward. I'm just going to take a couple of months. I worked for a, a big, um, company that was uh, Swiss based in Basel, Switzerland and their tech centers there. They had all of the big companies sitting on their board of directors. The companies gave a lot of money to the tech centers and part of my 
job. It was a tough job, but I did it. I went from uh, from the United States over to Switzerland to when they graduate to hire some of the the students back to the United States. And you would think I was bringing back um, graduates from Harvard and Yale. I mean, our folks at at my company understood the benefit of a tech education in Switzerland. And I think Austria, Australia does the same thing. Austria, um, there's a lot of strong technical um, education out there in Europe, and we just have to step up the game because it's needed. It's definitely needed, and we need to make sure that kids are aware and have access and can really explore what they want to do. Yep. Yeah, that was when I went to high school. The the it's the Boces, B O C E S. It was um, it was a New York. Um, uh, excuse me, New Jersey run, um, sort of tech center. And those kids back then, they, they got in the bus and went to the BOCES and they, they loved it and they were all successful. The ones I knew that went to BOCES, um, pretty cool, yeah. pretty cool thing. And, and, uh, when I, when I was in the Department of Ed, I'd bring businesses in to, to talk to educators in the department and they were desperate for technical people, as I said before. Um, there's a need and, it's the kind of skill that you're always going to need a plumber. You're always going to need an electrician. Um, and, you know, how can you go wrong? And a hairdresser, I might add. I mean, that never right. goes out of style, right? Um, so um, good good luck. Is there anything you want to wrap up, Jody? Maybe um, um, I know Guy just talked about the website, and that's a wonderful website. You can also come and visit. Is that correct? Yeah, um, you just need to sign in in our office, and we provide tours. If you come, in, if you call us in advance, it makes it easier for us to plan. Um, but definitely, we invite people to come and see what we're doing. Our annual report is being printed now, and it'll Great. soon be at different high schools and and uh, town clerks' offices. But I, I can send you um, a QR code so folks can jump right on that. Um, we just. There's so much excitement going on, and, and I hope that people can see it. And I hope that when my 18 towns of people, huh. the six, haven't seen our budget before, go and vote that they support us in continuing the work that we're doing. Well, good luck explaining that budget. I listened to um, Brad um, from the Department of Ed um, to talk about how the budget works at the, with the technical centers. And um, I, I was going to talk about it today, but it is so confusing. Um, that um, it all makes sense, but it is confusing, and um, I'm sure people are going to go, what? But good luck with that. The issue is it's mostly from tuition and from a lot of grants, like you've mentioned Perkin grants, and there are others that are out there um, that the Perkins grant is a federally funded program. Um, and and how tuition is set? How does how does uh, that get set? There's some really interesting discussions to have around the budget. So. Um, I wish you luck because I'm sure they all understand the importance of a technical education, especially when you can combine it um, with um, with college credit as well. That get be really well rounded, technical and um, sort of book smarts. Yes. Yeah. So, so anyway, Jody, thank you for joining us today. This was a great conversation. I really appreciate your coming on. Uh, this is Pat McDonald, your host for Vermont Viewpoint. And we'll be back in a while to talk about our displaced Ukrainians who are here in Vermont.
Good morning. This is Pat McDonald, your host for Vermont Viewpoint. Um, we're back with you for the next hour, and my guests today are Dr. Teresa and Pastor Scott Siasiolo. Did I pronounce that yeah. right? Very well. Excellent. Yeah. I've been practicing last <laughs> night. They are the founders of the House of Mercy in Derby, and um, which is a home now for uh, displaced Ukrainians here in Vermont. Um, and let me just kind of introduce them a little bit. Um, the uh, house, let me see, you founded the Agape Ministry in 2004 and in Albany, Vermont. When I saw Albany, I'm a New Yorker. Yes. <laughs> so I said, Albany, New York. I said, how did they get to New York? But it's Albany, Vermont. Uh, it's a nonprofit ministry for children and adults with special needs. Teresa is a doctor of neuropsychology and author of several books, Translated in Russian and Ukrainian, Ukrainian. And Scott, you're a doctor of ministries and pastoral studies and a master of education. Mm-hmm. Good grief, people. That's really <laughs> great. Um, could you just share a little bit more of your background with our listening audience? Teresa, you want to start? Well, our background comes from, um, I, I have two brothers that are legally blind and an aunt with Down syndrome. Oh. And I had always wanted to work with children and adults with special needs. My aunt with Down syndrome was, my favorite playmate growing up Aww. and I always wanted to have a child like her and so when I went to school for music therapy um, I just my heart was just for, for working with kids and adults with special needs that's and lovely when I met Scott he was in the field as well and it was just an easy fit for both of us yes. that's great <laughs> Scott do you want to jump in maybe to move that mic over just a little so we can hear you all right you how's go. that that's good Okay. Well, um, again, uh, when I met uh, Teresa, I was working for a, a company uh, in Connecticut uh, that w- had group homes and day programs <coughs> for uh, adults with dual diagnoses. Mm. And I had been in that field actually uh, mm. since I was 19 years old. So just working mm. and managing and, and, and being a job coach and a group home counselor uh, for, for such adults. That's really great. Your heart goes out to those folks, right? Mm-hmm. And they, um, I'm very involved with uh, Central Vermont, um, with Mary Moulton from Central Vermont Mental Health, mm-hmm. and it's just amazing to me what what the what, what the clients, her clients, feel, and mm-hmm. and you just your heart goes out to them. It's great. Um, could you um, talk about the Agape Ministry? And, and obviously, you've sort of talked about your special focus on children with special needs. But what is the Agape Ministry? Well, the Agape Ministry is a nonprofit 501c3, um, and we uh, came up to Vermont in 2004 when, um, to Albany, Vermont, and incorporated and began um, ministry to uh, the adults, children. Uh, Teresa was an advocate for many, many across many states, many planes, and and um, and here in Vermont as well uh, for helping parents uh, obtain the services their child right. with special needs right. would need in school systems and things, um, any of the uh, Medicaid services, things that parents don't generally have a, a, a front knowledge of. Uh, to to get and Teresa is a wonderful advocate and she sure. so so she had been doing that as well as um, we began um, hosting camps summer camps oh. uh, right about a year after we established and we had campers of all ages weeks of camp of all ages and and it was volunteer 
um, camp counselors and and um, we just had it. We just had a blast. We got <laughs> to, we, you know, we get to do it, and and we still, we even Sorry. today, as as agape has evolved into what it is, we still get to do it. <laughs> That's great. That's wonderful. What does agape mean? I actually looked it up last night, and do you think I could remember? It has to do with God, and. Um, helping or it's, it's there's well it's it's where we get the word charity from mm-hmm. uh it's unconditional love ah. it's 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 love uh loving something uh that uh without the expectation of getting anything mm-hmm. in return nice that's a lesson for everybody. Agape. I hope I pronounced that right. Is that right? Agape, Agape yes. It's Greek. Yes. Oh, that's great. <laughs> so then in February, I think around the 24th of 2022, uh, Mr. Putin announced his military intentions. And uh, now you've actually lived in the we Ukraine. Were, yeah, we were living in Ukraine. And um, uh, the the State Department um, really encouraged all Americans in January to start shifting out of Ukraine. To get out? Yes. Right. They, they were insistent about it. Right. So you must have uh, friends still there. Um, and mm-hmm. do you get to communicate with them and to hear? I just can't imagine. It's been almost a year now, yeah. right? It has been. Yeah. All of our stuff is still there. Our oh. van is still there. Oh, really? All of our belongings are there. We thought we'd be back in a few months. So oh, we left ever. everything, our vehicles. Yeah. Our, um, and, and so you really started over here yeah, pretty we much. Did. We had to come back home and start over. Wow. So um, at what point did you decide to, to help the folks that you knew over in the Ukraine and and came um, to create the House of Mercy. That was must have been some story. Yeah, it, it's 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 a miracle. Every every portion of it is a miracle, even today. But um, we when we came back off off of uh, from Ukraine back to Vermont, um, we just wanted to know what was next, and um, we <clears throat> our board and us we we felt that it was a need to. Um, somehow uh, find a way to uh, have a place of refuge for for those because we knew we're going across the borders we we left there prior to the war actually breaking out um, and we just knew uh, many people who uh, were were leaving trying to find an, a new way and so we were just really praying hmm. that the United States would open up its doors yeah. much like they've done in other mm-hmm. in other situations yeah we had a lot of friends who had kids with special needs that were sleeping on warehouse floors in in Germany and Poland and Croatia and not getting medical care and uh, having significant medical issues wow so. yeah some of the pictures that we saw yeah. of uh, people just sleeping wherever they could mm-hmm. to feel safe mm-hmm. Pretty scary, and especially the older generation, yes. just watching their whole life destroyed. Mm-hmm. But, um, but I think everybody seems to be picking it up a little bit. The United States and yes. other countries mm-hmm. seem to be saying, "This is enough already." So yeah. let's let's do something. I'm and I'm hoping they keep that up. <clears throat> yeah, likewise, we're, we're hoping so too. It's such yeah. a volatile situation. Right, exactly. Well, you're dealing with a um, man who doesn't make much sense now, does he? <laughs> Just to be polite. <laughs> but anyway, how did you? How did this group of Ukrainians that are now at their house of marriage, how how did you arrange to get them here? And as she as Teresa's laughing, <laughs> yes. not too it, easy, it was, was quite, it? No, it wasn't. 
We, I went to the Mexico border twice, and the first time was to help a family that we knew with a child with a severe medical issue to cross over. And I thought, oh, that was easy. We got him over, and we got him situated to a doctor. And so we had a really good friend, a family of eight, and the young lady needed some skin grafts. And we, we, we I flew out to the Mexico border again to try to get them across. And, um, and the border was closing April 20th, and they were due to cross over on April 21st. So we had to um, stop those plans and back up. And the u for u program was announced a few days later. And I think I was the first one in with this family into that That's program. Great. So Now, they're they're at your home, aren't yeah. they? I forget yes. their last name. I wrote it down. but Chaparro. Yeah, right. Uh, and they have their eight. eight. Yes, so eight so of them. Six kids and yeah. two uh, yeah. mom and dad. Yeah, mom and dad and Whoa. six so then something happened with another group in that Senator Leahy got involved getting well, was, them over. It, it was this it group. Was this oh, group. it was them. Oh, we I had um, an issue with um, they got their passports right before the war, and there was an issue with one of the passports that wasn't correct, uh, and they couldn't get it fixed um, during the war. And so um, we went to Pastor up to Senator Leahy's office, who was profound. Are they amazing? They're amazing. Uh, absolutely amazing. I cannot speak so we're just so speak so highly yeah. of them. They he took care of it. We gave them um, our lawyer. Gave Gave us all the information. He took it down, and um, it took three days. Right. And he got on USCIS and got on them, and and he was it was such a blessing. And his his and they then just follow us from getting their paperwork. They followed to make sure they got across. They followed us after, right. and um, they were just they were priceless in their help. That's nice. So thankful to them. I don't think Vermonters realize how lucky we are. All of the staff of our congressional yes. delegation, no matter your political. Yes, if I you're agree. Ca- if you're calling about a constituent, about a Vermonter, mm-hmm. yes. they are just amazing. To, mm-hmm. And I've always said that about no matter because um, I don't dis- no, I don't agree with some and mm-hmm. what they've done, but that doesn't matter to the staff. Mm-hmm. You right. call about an issue, they're on it. They're yeah. great. We're very lucky. Yeah. And personable and yep, friendly very nice, yep. and invested. I sent them pictures. I had been to Ukraine, back to Ukraine by that time. So I actually met them uh, again in Poland and Ukraine and sent Leonard Leahy's office pictures from this little girl that she had medical care and oh, just great. jumped right on it. That's really it was, great. It was that's great. great. We're, we are going to miss Senator Leahy. I don't yes. think people realize he's done a lot for yes. this. Yes, he has. For the state financially and, and just uh, in issues like this yes. that you don't hear about. No. But they do so much of this kind of support. Um, I know when I was down at Cedar Creek, Senator Jeffords apparently was very involved in Cedar Creek Battlefield, and mm-hmm. who knew? Mm-hmm. So um, I, they don't really talk about that kind of stuff. Yeah. They talk about the big issues, but yeah. anyway. So you you talked about the Chabo. I'll do this one. Chapovalov. I can't do it. Sorry about that. I appreciate their. But can you tell a little bit about their story? Because they didn't think their town was going to be in trouble because it's where the nuclear power plant yes. is that we've all heard about. It's the biggest one in Europe. Yes, but, oh, they were wrong, weren't mm-hmm. they? Yes. Their town got destroyed. So yeah. how did you get to meet them and get to know them? Well, when we had, um, when we, after we had adopted our, our twin sons with Down syndrome from Odessa, um, we had been going back and forth to Ukraine. Um, and throughout the years of ministry doing, uh, we, we had done ministry with, um, camps for orphanages and right. things. And M- Mr. Shapov's, um, daughter and sons came to a camp one year. And that's how we connected. And we became close with that family. Nice. And they lived, this was in Odessa. 
they lived over in that eastern section. The the big city, Zaporizhia, they lived in a little village about 45 kilometers away, or I'm 45 minutes away, um, called Skelke. <clears throat> and so um, we we just developed a relationship over the years, yeah. and his daughter also was translator. She speaks profound English, right. and she was translator for Teresa um, many, many, many times as we were going over and doing work, Please. and she was doing work nice. uh, with the Minister of Education out there. Wow, that's great. So um, they said that in the article I read that they were there for 40 days under sure. under uh, Russian rule, and um, then four, they were able to get out. Yeah, it took them four attempts to get out. Oh, really? Oh, yes. It was the fourth attempt. They they got. What happens at they get stopped at the border they and got stopped by Russians turn around and or yeah oh yes or it or was very yes. traumatizing. Yeah. yeah, I bet it was, it was especially forever, for the kids. For many of our families that left had to leave that region. Um, they got turned around and turned around and. Um, it was very traumatizing. And back to what? I mean, yeah, there's yeah. there's nothing. Mm-hmm. I don't understand how where the food comes from, the mm-hmm. water. Because yeah. uh, I mean, and I don't know what the weather's like over there. But good thing it's not like here. It'd be pretty tough at nighttime. I mean, yeah. just horrible. It's cool. It's cold there. Yeah, it? It, it just it's hard to even speculate and imagine yeah, right. uh, how they do it. Um, I have all kinds of ideas in my mind. Probably mm-hmm. none of them are probably right. right so. Right. Well, somebody, I, somebody's <clears throat> stepping up, and I think the um, uh, is he prime minister? No, president. President. President um, Zelensky. Um, mm. I, I know there's been things said about him and, and the country, and this, but that man has stepped it up. Yeah. He's really he's really come to the fore, and, and um, mm-hmm. I'm very impressed with him. I know bef- before all the things that people were saying, but not now. It doesn't matter. Um, anyway, so you bought a nursing home in Derby. <laughs> um, yes. Things things to do on your spare time, sure. and, and that's and apparently the Ukrainians who are here with you, they're all helping to to build it yeah. and make it better. And um, yeah. and how did that all happen? Well, we we had a board member who said, um, you know, you need to bring over your friends, and we, in our house in Albany was large, but not large enough for the many people right. that we had been connecting with. And so we looked at this property, and we did not. We were missionaries from the field. We didn't have that kind of money. But God had really provided it, and um, we raised enough money for a down payment. And we had had several families already over, and um, we... It was amazing to see how really God worked. It had no showers, and a plumber came and stayed two weeks and put in eight showers. Wow. There was one small little kitchen. We expanded it to three kitchens. Um, a whole Round Hill Security did a whole new fire program that just was falling apart. It had been lived in. Um, the whole the whole building's been redone. That's great. And Excellent. all volunteers, we had a budget of 25 to put all that stuff in, and we did wow. it in that. And God's people, people just stepped up. The community, the, the businesses, everybody just stepped well, up. Well, you're in all. the right place. First of all, you're in Vermont, and yeah. I must say, every tragedy in this mm-hmm. state, sometimes I think, what am I doing here? But <laughs> when there's a tragedy... They're all there, they, and it doesn't matter. They just help, and, yep. and uh, I'm sure everybody's hearts went out to the the Ukrainians that were at your home and uh, and wanted to help. Yeah, I think we've given an opportunity for people yeah. to to make a difference. Yeah, and right. people, you know, really, I think naturally in this area of the country, at least, right. naturally. Um, 
have it in them to just want to do something good. They and do want to make a difference yep. and and to see what we've seen is nothing short of miraculous. That's great. That's right. And, and I was going to ask, are, I'm presuming all you were talking about getting help from the municipality, from the state, sure. from the feds, that the kids and everybody are getting help with schooling, with health care, with people are just stepping up, right? We became a recognized school for the first six months because our oh. kids came, they were traumatized. And so they just, parents wouldn't let them go and they just were in bomb shelters. So the first six months, just in the last two weeks, we've been transitioning our children to school. Oh, wonderful. And, um, That's great all, to get them assimilated yeah. right. yeah. with other kids. Yeah. And we had eight certified teachers who came in and, and worked with our kids. And some had specialized training in English as a second language and trauma. And they came in and dedicated their time every day. That's great. They, uh, but now all the children are, are, are transitioned and they're doing very well. Oh, yes. I've, and, and yeah. we're going to talk about the fundraiser, but I met some yeah. of them the night of the fundraiser. Yes. Del- just delightful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and of course in Europe and, and a, a lot of them, a lot of people speak English as their second language. Um, I worked at the, in Basel, Switzerland and I never, um, if I if I lived there, I would try to learn a Swissadeutsch, mm-hmm. but um, um, but they all knew how to speak English, mm-hmm. um, which is very helpful. So the state's stepping up and job oh, training, I, and we cannot tell you how how on board the state was from from local to federal right. to. Um, you know, people knew they were coming in within two days. Economic services had sat down with everyone and gotten Medicaid on board. Great. We had kids with seizures. We had kids that went right from the, the, the airport to the hospital. Wow. And they were right there for them. Um, we've had kids that have passed away at our home. They were very terminal. Oh. And, um, and every, every agency has wrapped around and mm-hmm. has given them a new start and a That's new season. Great. And we cannot speak more highly than all our local and, and state agencies That's have great. just stepped right up. And can you, can you see the change in the people that you're serving here? I mean, do they? Yes. I'm sure that must have been so traumatic yeah. to come from a war-torn country yeah. over here. And yeah, we don't have the night terrors. No. Oh, really? The, That's what I was yeah. thinking about. Oh, yeah. We, we struggled for the Be- first few months. Before we opened up the home, one yeah. of the families was living in our home yes. in Albany. Uh-huh. And uh, it was Fourth of July week. Oh, and, oh no! And uh, and we were outside, and and of course, uh, fireworks went off right, in the background. Right. And you know, you have them running for cover. Yeah. And you just not realizing, taking that for yeah. granted a little right, bit. Right. For but, sure. But um, and and interestingly enough, they said if they if they were watching it and they expected it, it'd be a different story. Right. But they heard it. And, I, and but I bet you never even thought of that connect no, because not until that we're, happened. We're very lucky here. Yeah. We've never experienced other than perhaps 9-11. Right. If yeah. you're in New York, that sure. was. Uh, but here in Vermont, what do we know? <laughs> you know? And the TV, fortunately, doesn't do it justice. I would think mm-hmm. being there is another whole. Yeah. Story. Mm-hmm. And they, they live it every day. Yeah. You know, they have family there. They have people they love there. And they still live it every day. They, yeah. It's just like a post-traumatic stress disorder, like, every day for them. Right. They right. hear about their homes. Some people's homes have been bombed and, de- de- you know, yeah. destroyed. Well, and these people, us. I mean, they hit schools. They hit yeah. the hospitals. Yeah. I mean, just no conscience. No. They just yeah. hit. Usually there's something that's sacred about yeah. even in war, you yeah. don't do certain yeah. things. But right. yeah. this guy does it all. Yeah. yeah. Charming. Um, anyway, so um, how many, just from a total perspective, how many people are actually 
at the House of Mercy. We have gotten over 40 travel docs, which means 40 people have the right to travel to the United States. Um, we've had 34 actually travel to the United States. We've had two families shift. Um, and so right now we have over 30 people living at the right. House of Mercy. And how many of those folks are dealing with some kind of a special need or disability? Every family that came over has a child or oh. an adult with special needs. There was, wow. That was our... That, that people knew that was what right. we were going to, you know, that's what is our niche. And um, we have individuals with a, like a Lou Gehrig's, like a slow Lou Gehrig's. Yep. We have individuals with seizures in wheelchairs um, with autism right. um, that needs significant medical care. Um, and everybody has stepped, Boston's children has stepped up, Shriners. Oh, really? Dartmouth, oh, oh yes, wonderful. All of them. Mm-hmm. All of them. Every that's single great. one. Well, so I heard from David Kelly was on the show um, with uh, Kathy Codwell, I believe, if I remember correctly. Sorry, Kathy, if I messed that up. But anyway, um, and they were talking about a fundraiser that, that you all held at the Highland Center for the Arts. And David wanted me to be sure that I send a shout out to them because that was a fabulous, fabulous fundraiser. Absolutely. And um, what I found out from there was that the reason for the fundraiser was mm-hmm. so that you could buy a... Uh, a passenger van with a wheelchair accessibility. Yes. Mm-hmm. So I thought um, maybe we should reach out. Oh, and at the concert, I have to tell you, but not only was the concert amazing, there was also a dinner yes. that was provided of Ukrainian food, yes. and I was told that it was the best <clears throat> dinner ever. And certainly for whatever it was, $20, it was yes. like uh, <laughs> nothing. It was a drop in the bucket, given what the people had. Absolutely. Yeah. I sadly couldn't go because I think the the um, I'm very allergic to garlic, as a lot of people know. <laughs> and this country has a thing called garlic donuts. <laughs> and I thought, I don't think I can go to a country that has garlic donuts. Is that true? Have you had? No, no, it is. I, re- I read. It. They use garlic. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah so they I didn't. I didn't go because I would have. I would have ended the concert for you yeah. all. It would have been a very <laughs> bad thing. These ladies cooked for three days, and they every everything that was on that table was fresh made from you know meat inside breads but, to to desserts. Everything was a hundred percent, and it took eight ladies three days to whoa. make that meal and garlic. Yeah. And with lots of garlic. I knew I was right. <laughs> 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 I said maybe that's not the country I'm going to visit ever um, because they don't like it when. I go to Sarducci's here in my and ask for no garlic in the Italian <laughs> restaurant. One time the chef came out and wanted to meet me, but um, that's another story. Um, anyway, we have to take a break in just a, a minute here um, because I want to get back to talk about uh, uh, the results of the fundraiser and what happened. Uh, this is Pat McDonald, your host for Vermont Viewpoint at WDEV. In decades past, you opened a business, hung out your shingle, and the customers came. Today, hanging out your shingle means creating an engaging website. The modern consumer is using the Internet to find businesses like yours. Are you positioned so you'll rise to the top of their search? Let the Radio Vermont Group Digital Services work with you to make sure you're visible online and to target your marketing to location, demographic, and interest. Learn more at rvgdigital.com. Hi there, this is Pat McDonald, your host for Vermont Viewpoint. Uh, and I'm here with Dr. Teresa and Pastor Scott Siasiolo. And on the phone is the one and only David Kelly. David. Hey, David. 
Well, hello. Hello. Hey, we're David, just starting to talk about you, David. And I also just mentioned your father when the, but I didn't get to finish the story. I'll have to do that. <laughs> well, you know, I was just listening to your program, of course, and I got to thinking about our fundraiser and one of the biggest and best parts of it was the young Ukrainian singers who were so good. And it made me think, not only should we do another fundraiser, but um, I was thinking about the Trap Family Singers, this famous group of Vermonters right. um, who escaped Hitler's war mm-hmm. and uh, who became famous. And I was thinking Great. those uh, young Ukrainian singers were as good as any singers I've heard in yep. recent past. And I was thinking, well, at the very minimum, we should do another fundraiser with them if they want to still keep singing. Oh, that was that was really wonderful. And you brought David, asked David Mallet to come join us, too, from Maine, well, who's a singer-songwriter. And when he started singing, his songs brought back a few memories, David. <laughs> you know something? It's very interesting. GoFundMe just did a new advertisement using David's music. Oh, cool. Uh, it's one of the coolest ads I've ever seen. Um, but... Uh, it's uh, if you get a chance, uh, go to YouTube and yep. do uh, GoFundMe's latest ad. Nice, um, it's great. But, so listen, uh, as long as you're on the show, why don't you talk about the the news I was just going to announce? <laughs> since you were the, involved in it, and uh, what what piece of news? Well, man. we went from the Highland Center. They had a fundraiser, and then we found out that what they needed was a van with wheelchair accessibility. Well, so, actually. That was your doing. Uh, I didn't want to so. say that, David, so you... Uh... <laughs> Pat, I, I don't know if Scott and Teresa know this, but Pat is a force of nature in Vermont. <laughs> and at the Department of Education, Department of Transportation, personnel, I mean, she has essentially run all aspects of Vermont government, and everybody knows her. And uh, she makes a phone call and things happen. Well, I thought, because I was in motor vehicles for five years, I thought of the Vermont Automobile Dealers Association, and I was very close with Marilyn Miller, who just retired as their executive director for, I think, about 40 years. And Matt Coda is now the executive director, and he's been almost as much of a regular on my shows as David has been. And uh, I wrote a letter to Matt, who's the executive director now of VEDA, and he sent that letter out to all of the uh, people that um, he um, that's in the Vermont Automobile Dealers Association. And lo and behold, um, we had Ron and Randy Charlebois from Milton write and say, we have a van that we'd like to donate that's wheelchair accessible. And we all sort of fell over and lit candles and prayed and said, thank you, thank you. And we went, all went to see it last week. And did you pick it up yesterday? Yes. Yesterday. And is it, it's, is it as fabulous as oh, it looks? Oh, it was, yeah, it didn't even feel like I was driving. Oh, really? It's a beautiful, beautiful van. I, I told Teresa I started liking driving again. <laughs> <laughs> well, weren't you? I was surprised when I walked in. All I kept saying was uh, in front of a minister, oh, my God, oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, just say yes and let's get out of here quick. We had our individual, that one of the individuals that's going to be needing the van come with us yesterday. Oh, he must have been, and or she must have been thrilled. He was, yeah. he was thrilled. Yeah, he was so great. excited. Yes. 
Well, I just wanted to say hi. Well, thank you. Thank you for everything that you do in Vermont, David. David, we want to personally thank you. I mean, what you have done for the House of Mercy and for these individuals from Ukraine on a personal level has meant just a great deal. And your advocacy and your role has just been profound for Agape. And we just really appreciate you. Well, don't don't let those singers stop singing because they're wonderful. Yes, that's true. And I think we shout out to Charlie Hosford and Kathy Codwell. Right, David? They're the best. Yeah, excellent. Well, thank you for calling in. This is great. So um, I want to express my thanks to Matt Coda, who is the executive director. He's got two hats these days, the Vermont Automobile Dealers Association and the Vermont Fuel Dealers Association. So Matt's pretty busy up at the State House these days, especially on fuel. Mm. But that's another show. <laughs> uh, and also, obviously, to Ron and Randy Charlebois, who yeah. didn't want any Publicity, but we're not paying attention. <laughs> we're saying thank you. Can you, this this van was spotless. I mean, it, it was it was amazing. Fourteen seats plus a lift. Yeah. You can put and, two wheelchairs on it. And well, we have several people in wheelchairs, so to take two of them together that's on great. it is Well, even take great. The, to get them up to in the yeah. van, and then yes. if you have to reseat them somewhere, yes. that's that's just amazing. I and they were just so gracious about it. I I couldn't believe it. Hmm. I was getting mad at you. Well, what about this one? I'm like, just say yes. <laughs> just don't ask too many questions. We'll figure it out later. You couldn't look too much like a pushover. I <laughs> well, it was just great. What a what a um, setup they have over there. That is a huge place. That's yeah. an amazing place. They're amazing. They're an amazing yeah. company, and those people are amazing people. Right. I, well, I got that impression. I had never met uh, Randy before, but. Very nice and generous and happy. They're yeah. all them happy. And um, so shout out to them. If you go, need a truck, go to Charlebois. That's, yeah, it. that's it. That was really great. So um, uh, and then we're going to be putting out a press release um, about this. Uh, I think Matt Code is in charge of that. Mm-hmm. And uh, we'll let him do his thing. So what does the future hold for the House of Mercy, do you think? I think that's a great question, and I think it's up to every individual family and every individual that's here. Um, we've had some uh, that have relocated. Um, one relocated back to Poland. Um, her family came out of Ukraine, and she wanted to be with them. We've had one family that's relocated to another area in the country. Um, and as After they, they came here. Yes, they, after they were with yeah. us for a while. Yeah. And and we have each individual family is looking to be a citizen of the United States. Great. But now, what's time, their visa status? Yeah. Have we waived uh, yeah. something so they can automatically be here legally? So, I mean, yeah, we they are under C11 humanitarian parole. They have the right to do a work authorization. So pretty much everyone in the home has work authorization. Um, there is no clear pathway for our Ukraine friends yet to obtain citizenship. We are still waiting to hear. Oh, I'm sure happen. they're going to get to that. Yeah, with 178,000 who've partaken into the program, you know, but it's been it's now been a year, almost a year, and we yeah. need to see this this pathway to citizenship. So some of our friends are a little nervous about what is what that's going to happen at two years. It'll and, it'll so, be fine. You yeah. cannot deny that these people yeah. left in in fear yeah. of their lives. Yes. I mean that's pretty clear yeah. cut. So there's no argument there. No, we've had individuals who've gotten their driver's license who are um, using our company cars to be able to Great. go out and go to the medical appointments. We've had a lot of job interviews. We've had the Vermont. Department of Labor, higher ability, economic services have wrapped around. Some um, three or four of our 
of our young adults are in college at CCB. They're able oh, to teach wonderful. classes. Mm-hmm. Um, they have string. They have string methods on Tuesday night. They're involved in Boy Scouts at our place on Mondays. Um, we're very very active. That's awesome. We're very now they have to start a like a food service or something so everybody can appreciate uh, their cooking. Yes, but they don't. You have to ask what they cook without garlic. Maybe I'll come up. Borscht. Yeah, borscht. Oh yeah, borscht. I I have uh, some jars of borscht at home. Yeah. They're, they're just moving. Each family, some are moving and looking, thinking about their own homes in the next three or four months and their own jobs. And, mm-hmm. and it's just really, it, it's, that's a great part about our ministry is seeing them come and mm-hmm. be safe and get the paperwork and be able to move. But then we're kind of like, wow, they're leaving us. So, yeah. but we have about 15 people right behind and we have travel documentations great. and people ready to come and we're just waiting for the room and to shift. That's great. So, um, so we're so, behind. So I don't know if you would know this from their perspective, but if it's safe to go home, will they want to go home, or you think they're going to be here to assimilate and maybe stay? I mean, I know that you're just, they'd have to say it, but what's your feeling? Well, what we've gathered from from conversation and and, um, the reality of the situation, um, they, of course, have a desire to go back to their loved ones. I would think so. To to, to their culture. They miss their culture. There's still a lot of, there's still a lot of, um, you know, heartache, just the culture right. aspect alone. Um, and, uh, but I think as far as the parents are concerned, yeah. their number one concern is the future of their children. Mm-hmm. And we are still the country of the greatest opportunities yeah. available. Right. Sometimes we don't think so, but we are. We have to stop and... Um, and say thank you for what we have. Yes. We would say most of our families are motivated to stay and are they? be citizens. Good. Mm-hmm. Well, that's good because they're wonderful people. Yeah. Um, and if they're working, and yeah. that's great. And thank you for giving them that opportunity. Yeah. And thanks to the whole Northeast Kingdom. What yes. a great gang yeah. that is. Yeah. All the yeah. churches, every single church, every person that's dropped things off that have just called, they've just been, they've wrapped our building around. It's just been profound. That's great. It's the most profound thing we've that's ever great. seen. Yeah, there's a common cause. Yes. And, yes. You, you know, when it, it just, our communities, our, our, uh, denominations, yeah. our, our, uh, governmental organizations, mm-hmm. everything is, all the differences that any of these groups have have gone out the window right. and come together for a common cause. Mm-hmm. And again, it's just, it's, it's nothing short of miraculous. Yeah, that's really great. That's amazing. And I, I must say, this just my little piece in this, getting the van, I just felt so great. I mean, I didn't do anything except write a letter and, and ask some folks to, to help, but it just made you feel good. And a couple of people said thank you, and I'm like, whoa, yeah. no, thank you. Because mm. I think all of us need to help somebody. Mm. You need um, you need to be able to do that. People are looking for the opportunity, and when it's in your own backyard, right. when it's like there, and the people are are in your stores and right. they're in your and you're building relationships with them. That's that's even people's that's great. motivation is. To so, so if people want to help a little bit more, what can they do? Can they call you guys and you can either put them to work or tell them what what's needed? Yep, yeah, yeah, they can always call us. They can always go on our uh, website and look. I mean, we are uh, a nonprofit, five hundred one c three. So Right. We operate on on uh, on generous giving, That's great. and so so people can give online on our website. They can they can also give. They can send checks. Everything. All of our address and our contact information is at www.agapeforukraine.com. That's great. 
the number four. Yeah, the four. When okay. I say four, it's yeah, do the that again because www.agape, A-G-A-P-E, the number four, Ukraine.com. Right. Excellent. Got that? Good. <laughs> anyway, um, so can you, you were talking about they miss their culture. Yeah. Is that something that you can explain what, what, what different between what, what they experience on a daily basis back home and what we do here in the Northeast Kingdom? Yeah, I think I, be, living there and experiencing the culture right. with them and then, of course, living among them uh, as they're maintaining. I mean, they get to keep their culture amongst themselves, but right. they also have the pressure of trying to learn English yes. and, and trying to uh, transfer uh, the Ukrainian culture into American mm-hmm. culture. So, and it's, I guess that would be the struggle they're having. Just, really? just mm-hmm. really adapt. And English is not apparently a very easy no. language because it's of all our hard. idioms and you say one word may mean two different, three different things in the sentence and, uh-huh. right? And how do you explain that? Oh, well, yeah. I mean, it, thank goodness we've have tremendous ESL yes. volunteers. Right, right. That's all I could say for that. The Northeast Kingdom Learning Service is actually has somebody in the house four days a week for, and they spend every day with our adults. Oh, that's um, wonderful. And we had um, we have we had eight teachers in our recognized school, and some and several of them were certified ESL teachers. Great. So they, you know, Northeast Kingdom came right in and gave us somebody and said, you know, I'm here to teach, and she's there all day, four days a week. She's amazing. Listen, now let me. You have a degree, I can't find it in neuropsychology. And what is that? It's, it's a diagnosis of, of developmental psychopathology. It's a diagnosis of, of kids and adults with special needs. Ah, okay. So, so that's a perfect blend between yeah. the two of you. <laughs> yeah. um, words of peace and wisdom and, yeah. and hope and yeah. diagnosis. Our, our kids didn't get away with much. <laughs> no. no. We used to tease all the time. So uh, mom would uh, – mom would uh, – you couldn't get away with anything either way, spiritually and mentally. I know. I think I think we all had the same parents back then. And all you had to do was come home from school and say, "Sister said," because I went to a Catholic school. He'd yell. He'd yell because the nun got mad at me because he knew she was right and I was wrong. Right? That's it. Anyway, I uh, and your your two boys, two boys. Yes. Um, are they getting some help here in Vermont? Because we. We do, I think, in Vermont, um, Down syndrome is something that yeah. that we do respond to really well. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a friend of mine who is a Down syndrome uh, young lady, and she's been to college. Yeah. She's got a job. She has a website on how to the benefit of employing the disabled. Yeah, I mean, just yeah. I think her parents said to her, "You can do whatever you want. Absolutely. Just go and do it." And she did. Yeah. We adopted our boys nine years ago from Odessa, Ukraine, and. Um, and they, they had struggled medically quite a bit. Oh. And so when we got home, um, the, those medical conditions continued. So our boys are just about 18 months cognitively and, you know, just the mm. uh, struggle. They struggled uh, quite a bit. Well, they're so, in the right household. Well, you know, absolutely. And, and you know, it, it, it's, it's so amazing to see the Ukrainians come in and love on these little Ukrainian boys who are in the orphanage. To, yeah, uh, and, yeah. To, to help them, yeah. to support yeah. them, that's yeah. great. Sure. I was back in, in um, New York for a, a funeral, and I sat at a table with this woman who had a Downs syndrome child, a woman. <clears throat> it was so different the way she treated her child than we would here. I was having the worst time because I could see that this child had a lot of 
things that she could do. Mm. I could tell she was mm. she was paying attention, she was looking and and wanted to participate, but mom was you know kind of holding her back, I think. Sure. And they have a lot of possibilities that sure. just let them go. Mm-hmm. Let them be who they are. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. really great. That they yeah. are I always say my Alex uh, in the orphanage. It, it's tough because they, they still are from an orphanage. Yeah. And you know, but Alex, my husband is my husband. But Alex, my little Alex, is my heart. He's oh. just, he's just, he's just the perfect little boy, and he's not. He doesn't like to be touched, and they both have autism as well. But, but when he when he connects with you and sits with you and wants you to hug and squeeze him, he, that that little boy is my heart. That's great. So, That's wonderful. Yeah. You're gonna he's make a me cry. Boy. That's great. Boy. Well, anyway, I said that I said her uh, company. A, a name wrong, Mary Moulton. It's a Washington County Mental Health, not Center Vermont. I do that all the time. But they have a program um, with the young men. They taught them how to um, use the use the calculator, not calculator, computer. And they can they have very bad verbal skills. They typed out poems that would knock your socks off huh. because that was what was inside of them. But they just couldn't. Get it out. I bought that book. She put it together in a book. And I thought, who knew? I mean, uh, it, because they're having trouble articulating doesn't mean that the rest is not working. Yeah. So just because they don't have words doesn't mean they can't communicate. That's exactly. That's and exactly. Our, our boys use our devices. They sign. They oh, that's have, great. They do have ways to communicate. Good. You know, and I'll, I won't go on too much of a soapbox, but I said this the other day to our group as well. We We – we focus too much on the disability, not the capability. Right, exactly. And there's a there's a great ad out there about that. That yeah. uh, and and that was a lesson learned to me that just because what you see is not what you get if you give them the opportunity. We, we have different plans for when our children before we even before we adopt them before they before <laughs> right. we've given birth and um, and when it doesn't come out as planned, we try to fix it. So it can meet our plans again, and we just have to accept the fact that they're made perfect in God's right. image, yeah. and it should be their plan. That's right. Right, yeah. not us. So um, you're going to be here a long time, I think, in the House of Mercy. We are. Thank goodness, because yeah. be, uh, revolving doors. Yeah. people are shifting. We have more people to That's come great. in. That's great. We're working with some Cuban refugees. Oh, are you um, really yes. great? Yes, we did. Are, we have two adults with special needs in our house that would be more in a group home, so yep. they're living with us. Nice. Um, so but that's better for them. Yeah, the House of Refuge is, is a house of refuge. There's no there's no stipulations on Ukraine. Um, you know, we are we've worked with homeless. We've worked with quite a few different agencies and and different that's great. needs in the community. That's great. How did the Cuban folks? Get, <laughs> well, how, did, how did you connect with them? I mean, that's he connected. Kind of, this with is us. The this is Vermont. <laughs> It's interesting because we have to remember we are um, Derby. We're only four miles from Canada. That's true. And so the, he has friends from Canada because Canada is allowed to go to Cuba. So because oh, you know yeah, not like the not, U.S. Right. So he has friends that are from Canada right across the border that met him, and when they found out that he came to the to the to the states. They said, why don't you make your way up for Ma? He did. And then somebody told him to come to our house, nice. and he did. He just knocked he on the door in. and said, hi, I'm and, here. And, he, uh, and yes. he is just that's great. He walked in. He said, looking for Teresa. I need help with paperwork. Uh, <laughs> so, oh, that's wonderful. So now he lives with us. Yeah. And um, I don't you know if you know the U4U program has expanded into Haiti, Nicaragua, Venezuela, Cuba, and Ukraine. And we had just put in paperwork for his girlfriend to come over so a week ago. So we're wow. expecting her to come that's over. That's cool. Yeah. Good thing some. 
somebody over there cooks instead of you guys. You <laughs> he came in very thin, and that was it. The ladies were just like, you need to eat, and exactly. you need again, and you need again. Well, Cubans, oh, yeah. like, so. Cubans like garlic, so that's a good thing. <laughs> that's a good thing. So anything else you want to talk about before no. we wind up the show? Um, we just want to say how thankful we are to the community, to you, and to David, and to all those that have, have just taken a hand in these individuals' new seasons. They literally came with a backpack, and we and you know Scott and I have seen the community give them a hope chest, not just the things, mm. but of hope, and of hope to be able to be new members of the community, people that wrap around them and care about them. And we're just so thankful for our communities, for our churches, for individuals that that have taken the step up and said, "I think I can do this." You know, it's not it's not Scott and I. It's just your willingness to say, "Oh, I see that piece, and I can put that piece in there for them." And like your piece with the van, and say, "Oh, I see that piece, and I can I think I can help with that right, piece." Right. And it's really just us sitting here and saying, "Oh, somebody's going to help us with that shower. Somebody's going to help us with that electrical work," and and just see it put together. That's and great. It's just been amazing for these yeah. individuals to see that put together. Yeah. And we're so thankful. For the state, for Senator Leahy, for our yeah. local, we're just so thankful for all. That's of them. great. Yeah, yeah this That's state amazing. does does step up. I'll give them that. Yeah. Sometimes I get a little annoyed, but then I look <laughs> around and go, maybe not. Well, yeah, we get annoyed at politics. But yeah, well, that's what me. Yeah. So, but, but it is what it is, and but when it push comes to shove, they're there. Yeah, absolutely, they're there regardless of the politics. Exactly. They just jump in and help. So thank you, Vermont, yes. and thank you too for all that you're doing. Um, I can't thank you enough. And if you need help, you have to ask. You know That's that. Right. Yes, got to shout it out. Right. Thank you. All right, thank you all for listening in. Um, if you want to help, look go on the website and see what you could do at the House of Mercy and. Derby. Derby line or Derby? Derby. Derby, Derby Vermont. Uh, this is Pat McDonald, your host for Vermont Viewpoint on WDEV, and um, we'll be back. It's Tuesday today. I'll see you back on Thursday with uh, two more hours of entertainment. <laughs> <laughs> is this entertainment? I don't know. See you Tuesday. Bye.